Today is Tuesday, August 22nd, 2017. Time for episode 21 of the Barnhart Podcast. If you live in the United States, then you probably got to see at least a partial eclipse of the sun yesterday. And if you live near Cedar Lake in Jackson County, Illinois, then you are right in the middle of the totality of yesterday's eclipse. And on April 8th, 2024, you'll be right in the middle of another total eclipse of the sun. It's pretty rare for one spot to be right in the middle of two eclipses in such a short period of time, so keep those eclipse glasses handy, Cedar Lake. Another place where you can see an eclipse of sorts is in the American legal system. And I think it's fair to say it's no longer a justice system, but a legal system. The Remnant newspaper, which is a Catholic national newspaper established in 1967, has been targeted by an outfit called ProPublica and labeled as a hate group. In an article published on the Remnant website yesterday afternoon, the Remnant's Christopher Ferrara posted the text of an email received from somebody at ProPublica stating, quote, I am contacting you to let you know that we are including your website in a list of sites that have been designated as hate or extremist by the American Defamation League or the Southern Poverty Law Center, end quote. The email also made a very thinly veiled threat that the remnant's means of financing, such as their PayPal and AdPeeps accounts, were going to be threatened. Quote, how would the loss of these funds affect your operation? End quote. Which sounds an awful lot like, you got a nice little operation here. Would be a shame if something unfortunate happened to it. Sorry, that's about the best gangster voice I can do. That was pretty good. That was pretty good. So, Anne, who the hell is ProPublica, the American Defamation League, and the Southern Poverty Law Center? Well, it's all of a piece. It's part of the Soros and um, specifically the Southern Poverty Law Center is um, funded almost exclusively, I think, by um, Maurice Dees, who is another one of these just satanic, super, super, super far left totalitarian uh, billionaires. And, you know, it's it's not at all surprising that this has now happened um, to the remnant this happened to me in, in, in a certain way. Um, it's been a couple of years ago now. Um, this same kind of outfit working in, conjunc- in conjunction with the, the Southern Poverty Law Center um, released what was basically a hit list of what was it called? The, um, the Women Who Hate most- Islam or something like that? Women who women against Islam, and it was the the top ten women against Islam, and I was one of the one of the people on this list. And when this happened two years ago, I mean, it it, it was very very clear that what what this was is very much you know like what what you just alluded to with these very thinly veiled threats to the remnant, and it's going to be basically all Catholic. Um, all Catholic organizations from here forward are going to be targeted by things like this. This business of these people pulling down these Confederate statues and stuff. I mean, people are saying, oh, this is just dumb. It's no big deal. It, it is a big deal because it points to what is now coming. The it, it They're baiting civil war and they are now going to start going after people. First, they're going to start going after them in terms of cutting off their money and then they're going to go after them in terms of their lives. This is this is, it, I mean, it's it's laying out in front of us just as clear as day. Um, so two years ago, when the Southern Poverty Law Center put together this list, and the Southern Poverty Law Center had put me on their website as a hate group, um, pretty quick after I did my Koran burning. So I was listed on there for quite some time. And then two years ago, they did this list of the top 10 women against Islam. It was a hit list. And this was right around the time that Pamela Geller did um, an event down in Texas. And sure enough, a jihadist showed up 
and and started started shooting and there was a she Pam had hired um private security off-duty police and this this policeman took this guy out with a with his sidearm with a with a handgun from some incredibly impressive distance and if if that you know off-duty cop who Pam had hired as security if he hadn't been a crack shot that could have been that could have been an absolute bloodbath this these people i mean you don't understand what we're up against i would really encourage people if you haven't already watch again my presentation that i did on the vendée genocide in france and what you need to understand is that the people on the left in the us these social justice warriors these anti-fa people these people are exactly the same if not worse than the people who were operating in revolutionary France who went in and and watch the video and listen to me as I describe the atrocities, the torture, the things that that these people did, the exterminations, um, just absolutely brutal, brutal. And don't you think for a second, don't you think for a second that those that people in the United States today just aren't capable of that. That oh well, it it would never get to that point in the U.S. Not only is it going to get to that point, it's going to be way worse because all of these people have been watching pornography basically nonstop for however many years now on the internet, and the the pornography addiction. It, it, the first thing that that porn experts will tell you who study this is that the the rush that people get from watching just normal <laughs> what a, what a strange thing to say from watching normal pornography runs out very very quickly and what pornography then turns into almost instantaneously is is that it is centered around rape and violence and eventually murder you know in the porn world that's called snuff in which the culmination of the scene is the murder of one of the people. Um, you guys, people are sitting around watching this crap. They've already been conditioned to this. All they need to know is that the government is not going to do anything. And in fact, the government is on board with them. The government will, in fact, give orders to police to stand down if they start doing anything. And they will be unleashed and as as has been prophesied, there will be things going on that have never been seen before in human history. Certainly, certainly nothing that's ever been seen in in Christendom. Um, I think it's going to make I think it's going to make what went on in France in, in the Vendee look positively tame by comparison. And so it's starting with this attack on just, you know, people who have PayPal buttons. Now, I had to close down my PayPal account. Um, it's been, when was it? It was December of 2014. I want to make sure I'm very clear on this point. The reason I had to shut down my PayPal account is because of my federal tax strike. PayPal um, worked in conjunction with the Internal Revenue Service, and they they swept my account. Now, I never kept much money in my PayPal account anyway, but when they did the sweep, I think they got six or seven hundred bucks. And so, I, okay, I've identified now that the PayPal account is no longer safe. The PayPal is working with the IRS in terms of this. 
I can't use PayPal anymore. So for a period of some months, and I can't remember how long it was, I would say nine or 10 months, something like that. I went back to just pure cash in the mail, checks in the mail, money orders in the mail, operating completely on snail mail. And then I found another service that did not clear through PayPal and was in fact Christian based. Um, and that's who I'm using now. And they do a great job and they're a great company and they have wonderful customer service. And I, I can't say enough about them. But look, you got to be a grown up and you got to you got to not look at the world through rose colored glasses. That's eventually going to go away, too. Pretty much, I figure at some point, all capacity for any of us who are vocal, um, unapologetic, practicing, believing Catholics it's going to get to the point where we're not going to be able to transact business or do anything that isn't in a, a cash paradigm, like paper bills in your hand. There's not, you're not going to be able to have a bank account. You are going to be vetted for, for your political positions by your bank. So, for example, let's say that I use Wells Fargo. Somebody contacts Wells Fargo and says, Ann Barnhart is a hater. She she speaks out against Islam. She speaks out against um, sodomy. Do, do you want to be doing business with, with a hater? And also, understand, a lot of these huge banks, these mega corporations, we know Facebook, Google, all that Palo Alto circle, that whole thing— all of these people are super duper hard leftists and people like Zuckerberg. I mean, th this guy wants to be emperor of the world. Talk about another candidate to keep your eye on for um, a, a potential antichrist. If this is, in fact, the run up to it, if Bergoglio is the false prophet forerunner, if you want to look at somebody who has openly stated that he has aspirations to something that looks very, very similar to what an antichrist would look like and is about the right age and um, some would even hasten to point out is of, shall we say, um, a, a the correct ethnic background, the, the correct ethnic background that has been um, prophesied and foretold about these things. Man, keep your eye on Zuckerberg. This guy is evil and his family is evil. Oh my gosh. He's got a sister that's just absolutely bonkers out of her mind. She, I mean, talk about someone who would, without any hesitation, destroy someone's life. That's what they're trying to do with the remnant. They're, they're trying to destroy people's lives. They are trying to grind people into dust so that they can't work, they can't do anything unless they bow down to this satanic ideology that these people are pushing. This is just the beginning. You cannot sit around and wait for this to come to you. You have to go on offense. You have to be proactive. And so you need to be getting away from things like PayPal because PayPal is all part of that, that Palo Alto circle, if, if, if we can refer to it as that. All of these huge companies, I mean, Super Nerd and I, we we discussed this, you know, what are we doing in terms of backup? Um, what What's the contingency plan if this happens? What's the contingency plan if that happens? And it ain't and Bitcoin. Right, and, and it ain't Bitcoin. That's right. And we're going to do another Financial Friday this week, and we'll we'll expound on all of these things more and keep digging into them and 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 
and figuring out what the deal is. But you, you've got to get your ducks in a row and you, you have to be intelligent enough to see this stuff coming and do at least something to pre-prepare. If, 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 even if all that is, is sitting down and thinking about contingency plans. If this, then that. If that, then this. You know, people are very, very bad about that now. We're constantly, you know, good guys are constantly getting caught with their pants around their ankles because they won't face up to the fact that this stuff is real and it's happening and you need to get ready for it. So, um, well, even yeah, if you're I'm, somewhat ready for it too, you're also dealing with the fact that the good guys tend to operate by moral principles, whereas the other side following the Saul Alinsky rules there, you're being attacked in a way that you cannot morally respond in some cases. You can't morally respond. And the other thing is what Super and I were kind of just lightly chatting about before we started we started recording this podcast. Um, you know, I, I had sent him the link and he knew about the Southern Poverty Law Center hit list. It's a hit list that I was on. And he sent a question back to me. It said, well, did, did nobody sue these people over this? I mean, well, what what purpose does that serve? First of all, as as super nerd you yourself said in, in the opening, the rule of law is dead. I mean, it's not a justice justice system. It's just purely a legal system, and the law is completely and totally corrupt. Um, the officers of the law are basically completely corrupt. So if you think about it, this is exactly what these people want people like us to do. They want me or somebody like me to run out and go, okay, I have to retain an attorney because I want to, I want to pursue this, um, in the courts. All right. That's a hundred thousand dollars right now, just to put an attorney on retainer. That's just the retainer. I would guesstimate that for me to pursue um, being put literally on a hit list by the Southern, Southern Poverty Law Center would run easily, easily into the seven figures in legal fees. This is what they want you to do. Oftentimes, they will initiate actions like this, bankrolled as they are, either by Soros or Maurice Dees or, or one of these billionaires. They have basically an inexhaustible amount of money. Okay, so they will they will instigate things like this, trying to bait you to go to go and try to litigate this and go into court. First of all, you're working off the false premise that there's a functioning rule of law and that there is any sort of justice in the justice system. There isn't. Number two, that even if you win and they lose, you still go broke. You still go broke. Let's say you get a judgment against the Southern Poverty Law Center. All they have to do is unwind that LLC or S Corp or whatever whatever business structure it is. They unwind that and then go start up another one with a new tax ID number. And you you never get anything. You're not going to collect anything from any of these people. Or they just tie it off and let it go away. And, and, and the wording that I used here, who the heck is the American Defamation League? I've I've heard of the Anti-Defamation League, and in, in my notes for putting together the opening, that's what I thought it was until I looked back at the Remnant article and said, no, they copied and pasted right from the ProPublica email. It's American Defamation League. I've never heard yeah. of these these characters. There's probably a whole list of these things where if, if you manage to sue the Southern Poverty Law Center and get a judgment against them, okay, they'll just close up shop and all the people and all the funding behind it will just target somebody else, uh, American Defamation League, and you know the operation doesn't well, skip a beat. 
It, it, yeah, the operation doesn't even skip a beat. It isn't even that. It's a matter of changing the name placard on, on the door at the office that these people sit in, wherever that is. That's all it is. Oh, everybody gets a new box of business cards. Um, you get a, you get a new email don- domain or something like that. That's all it is. They, they have, I'm sure they have shell company after shell company after shell company sitting, waiting, ready to go. And it is their intention for you to try to litigate your way through this. So God bless Chris Ferrara, who's a super, super smart guy, super sharp. But, you know, Chris, Chris is an attorney and he's a, he's a Wolverine man. But even if you have a Wolverine like, like Chris Ferrara in your corner, you're still going to go broke. And there's still no guarantee that you're going to get any justice because the system is so befouled and so corrupted by now. And so you you can't be playing their game. You have to, um, you know, when our Lord, I keep saying this over and over again, our, our Lord says, be wise as serpents. You don't become like them, but you have to have the capacity to sit down and think, okay, what are they thinking? What What is their agenda? And then you need to be able to formulate responses in in those terms and you know be able to put yourself know your enemy as sun tzu says i mean if we good grief look how far we've fallen now we're 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 quoting you know chinese general pagan chinese generals but you know what what's true is true you got to get inside these people's head look at what their tactics are and then not play not play by those rules um and so it's all escalating and it's only going to get worse from here and this business of all money uh, becoming becoming electronic, obviously mark of the beast and all of that. Um, this this is all going hand in hand with all of this. Is that they want to completely and totally control people, control all economic activity, control even your ability to go to go buy a sandwich. They want to control it and make sure that everything is filtered through their political system and you will kneel before Zod, you will swear fealty to them, you will deny God, his holy church, you will deny objective truth, you will deny reason, you will, you will do whatever they tell you, but you will, you will submit to them and they will have total and complete power. And they're never going to stop and they're never going to back off. If anything, we're seeing we're seeing now this curve go parabolic. It's now, you know, we've been going along sideways in this politically correct um, cultural Marxist paradigm now for however many decades. And it's just been kind of going along sideways. And now we're seeing, especially within the last few years, with, of course, one could point the finger at, at the Obama regime as, as you know, a big fire underneath all of this. But now we're seeing this just go absolutely parabolic. They're going to destroy people's lives, capacity to live, work, eat, survive, and then they will start actively killing people. There will be things going on like what went on in France during the French Revolution and far, far worse. They will, they will not allow any of us any of us to survive. That is their mindset. Well, there's also an element, as you stated earlier, of um, they're like an institutional agent provocateur in the case that they put out literal hit lists in the case of somebody showing up at Pamela Geller's event. Did I get her name right this time? Yeah. Um, yeah. Mm-hmm. With the intention to kill her. 
Um, and to say nothing of the fact they are extremely mean in the way they they put together the the drawings of these women uh, on on the women against Islam, they they made a point. It seems whoever did the drawings of deforming the the appearance of, of, of uh, people, but uh, they, it seems like they're just going to push, 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 and try to incite somebody to uh, the point of saying, well, I can't come after you in the legal system. I'm going to get uh, rent a, a rider truck and build a bomb and come visit you that way. That's what they want. They're, they're, sure. they're trying to label people as, as terrorists and then give them no way to have legal recourse. And they're trying to push people to do something which they would not do otherwise. They're, they're, of course, they, they get, get someone else to do the dirty work for them. And we talked about this in, in last week's podcast or, yeah, last week's podcast about especially attaching yourself to schizophrenics and, and other people like that and and goad these people who are highly suggestible, many of them who have low IQs or are genuinely mentally ill and their brains are not functioning properly, and goad these people into doing these acts of violence. Look at Islam. Look at the suicide bombers. Most of these guys, not the sharpest knives in the drawer. These are guys who are teetering on the precipice of mental retardation, and that might even be generous because why they've been told if they go, if you go do this and you go blow yourself up, you'll get to have sex with 72 virgins. I mean, you would have to be either, either retarded or teetering on the precipice thereof for that to be anything other than a laugh line. And look, they have, they have, you know, 1.4 billion souls underneath this jackboot and a non-trivial percentage of them, of the underclass, actually believe that bullshit about virgins and, and crap like that. It's it's just stunning. And so you're, you're going to get in and you're going to see if, if anyone has ever had any recent experience with, you know, American teenagers. Um you see not American teenagers obviously aren't um, aren't inbred, but their deformity is perhaps even worse because they've de- been deformed and contraeducated and indoctrinated into this satanic ideology in the schools, both public and private. Let's let's not, you know, be ridiculous and say, oh, Catholic schools have been immune to this. Hell, some of the Catholic schools are worse. Look at what's going on in the Vatican jumping up and down, screaming and yelling about infiltration, sodomites, lesbian nuns. Of course that that this was all going on in Catholic schools too. You you sit down and you try to talk to a 19-year-old white American teenager and I mean it's it's just like banging your head against the wall. There is no capacity for logical thought. There's no capacity for any sort of rationality. There is a complete indifference to history, historical precedent, you know, and also a complete ignorance of history. That there's just nothing there. There's nothing there. There's only this blind submission to this satanic ideology. Yeah, lack of education, I think, is probably one of the biggest problems facing our, our country right now. And there are so many, so many. Well, lack of lack of Christianity really is the biggest the biggest problem. But uh, just on a secular level, so many issues that face our country could go away overnight if everybody was if everybody was educated. To to a fifth grade level, genuinely to a fifth grade level, um, not not 
I mean, it's not that it's a lack of education. It's that they're all contra-educated because obviously they're pushing for everybody to go to, to college, to get into debt, to get a degree, et cetera. It has nothing, that has nothing to do with genuine education. Most people in the United States today could not pass the fifth grade graduation exam from some town in rural Kansas 100 years ago. That's a fact. That is an absolute fact. Most people in the United States today could not pass that test. No knowledge of, of simple arithmetic, no ability to calculate interest, balance a ledger, balance a checkbook, um, you know, on and on and on. No knowledge of history, um, no knowledge of grammar, of literature. All of these things come together and combine to form a person. And these kids today are utterly, completely, and totally lacking in all of this. It wasn't but that long ago that studying Latin and Greek was essential for everybody, not just uh, Christian schools, because that's if you didn't understand Latin and Greek, you couldn't go back to the source materials on which the civilization was built. Oh, of course. I mean, you know, people marvel about all of these things. The, in the university system, in, in, you know, Christendom, for centuries and centuries and centuries, anyone could go anywhere in in Europe and go to any of these these universities and these centers of learning. Now I, I say anyone, I mean people who were who were university bound. That's that's a whole nother conversation because the vast, vast, vast majority of people really it's not it's they have no business. They don't need to go to university. That is a specific, relatively small percentage of the populace that needs to go to university. Everyone else should be doing things that are trades, that are specific skills, that just very simply do not require university-level education. See, that university used to mean something. But back to my point, in Europe, anyone could go anywhere to any of these universities anywhere in Europe because when you were in university, everybody spoke Latin. So, you know, a German could roll into Paris and just sit down and he's he's at exactly the same place speaking exactly the same language as everyone else. Now, when he's at home with it, with his peeps hanging out, he's speaking in German. And when, you know, the 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 French are at home with their peeps, they're speaking French. But everybody at the university level was speaking Latin and could probably and could read Greek, and I'm sure many of them could speak Greek as well, ancient Greek, although I don't, I don't think they were speaking it as much. I think that was mostly read. But yeah, so this whole notion of what education is and the point of it has been completely lost, and because the, the notion of what it is and the point of it has been lost, that has allowed the enemies to then get into it, infiltrate it, and turn it into this civilization-killing murderous civilization-killing juggernaut that it now is. Talking about corruption and juggernauts messing things up, uh, should we review the state of the papacy and, and uh, the problems facing the church in Rome? Yeah, I think, I think it's probably a wise thing to do. Just a few hours ago, before we are, Super Nerd and I um, are recording this podcast, Lo and behold, there was a pretty severe earthquake um, not far from Rome, just south of, excuse me, just west of Naples off the coast. 
and it was centered over um, one of the one of the calderas down there, one of the volcanic structures down there. Um, so far, the news says that a couple people have been killed. There's been some pretty significant structural damage. And it, it, it wouldn't surprise me if that is maybe some sort of a pre-shock or something. I've been talking about this for quite some time now that um, given everything that's going on, the confluence events, the, this, the massive corruption, um, I've been trying to expose now for a couple of years the fact that the Vatican is basically operating as a bathhouse. We've had actual confirmation of this within the last few months with the gay um, orgy, cocaine fueled orgy that was going on in, in the palace of the, of the Holy office, which is right there, right next to St. Peter's Basilica. I've been saying this, um, we've had confirmation. I think, um, Edward Penton published a piece in which he, he quoted a, a high level, uh, curial official, one of the few Catholics, one of the few believing Catholics left inside the curia who said that the problem of faggotry inside the Vatican has never been worse. That is remarkable. That's really, really saying something. Because it's been a problem, obviously, for a very long time. For someone to say that the problem of faggotry inside the Vatican has never been worse is a, is a remarkable thing. That's going back 1,900 um, years. That's a lot of time to have a lot of problems. And there have been a lot of problems in the papacy before. Well, there have been um, certainly there. There was there was always some faggotry around, but you know, for example, Alexander the Sixth, he he was into women and he he had concubines and was fathering children and so on and so forth. Um, and there's yeah, there's always been faggotry in in the Vatican, no question about that. There's always been faggotry in society. The issue is what's going on right now. The issue is is that you have basically at this point, can we say the majority of these men who are, who are bishops and who are, who are in the curia are, are at minimum homosexually oriented, which means that they're diabolical narcissists to one degree or another, because remember diabolical narcissism is the overarching pathology. Um, a, a massive percentage of these men right now inside the Vatican, inside the curia, inside the upper, the upper echelons and hierarchy of the church are sodomites. Um, the, the Vatican museums is basically a mafia. Um, the majority of the, um, of the male tour guides that are operating inside the Vatican museums are sodomites. And some of them even are notoriously well known inside the Vatican as being um, willing sodomy sex partners. Um, there's one in particular that I was told about who actually his meetup spot for sodomy um, before or after his tours is St. Peter's Basilica itself. That is how bad, how serious, how grave this situation is. Now we have this whole dynamic with this anti-papacy um, it, it, is it possible that the whole thing could be brought down as we've been talking about, we've been, we've been talking about the notion that, that at this point we should be asking our lady to not hold back the right hand of the, the arm of wrath of her son and to just make this stop, whatever that means. And prophecies, um, and, and, and apparitions and so forth have very, very, very strongly hinted 
that Rome is going to be destroyed physically. And if you if you see what's going on and you don't look at the situation through rose colored glasses and you see that that there are there are men, there are clerics having sex inside the Petrine Basilica. You tell me, you tell me, why shouldn't it be destroyed if we're all just going to sit here? And we're going to let this go on. Why should we have something like like St. Peter's Basilica? Why should we have the Sistine Chapel? Why should we have any of it? Why, why should we have a Vatican? Why should, why should we have the, the, the splendor and grandeur of Rome? You know, take the people away from it. Just look at the, artist, the artistic patrimony, the, the religious patrimony. Why? Why should we have any of these things? Why don't we deserve to have these things destroyed? Because not only are there these filthy, demonic wretches who are doing these things, but then there's the rest of us who just sit here and watch and shrug our shoulders and say, oh, well, I'm going to pretend that that isn't happening. Oh, well, there's nothing I can do about that and shrug your shoulders. Layer on top of this now, this business of this of this anti-papacy and these dynamics. Um, we need to walk through, in review, what the logical progression is if Ratzinger dies, if Bergoglio dies, if Bergoglio, quote-unquote, resigns. We have to think these things through because I'm continually stunned that again, going back to the failure in American education, that especially Americans, and really, I guess, any, anyone in, in the post-Christian West, is just incapable of thinking through anything in a simple, logical progression. I get emails all the time, all the time, and I see comments and comment threads all the time that says, well, if, if Pope Emeritus Benedict dies, won't that mean, Anne, that you're a set of acantist? Um, yes, it will. What the hell do you think? I mean, I, I, I'm fascinated. What is, what is your thought process? If my position is that Pope Benedict XVI Ratzinger is the one and only living pope, and that Bergoglio is an anti-pope, because Ratzinger's resignation was made in substantial air and was therefore invalid by the law itself per Canon 188. This is my position. Ratzinger is the one and only living pope. When Ratzinger dies, what does that mean? It means that there isn't a living pope, which means the see is vacant. Why, why, is, this, why is this some sort of a gotcha I don't understand why that would be some sort of a gotcha. Well, because it's most, logic. for most people, that applying the term set of a contest is, is adhering to some cuckoo pants theology as opposed to ah, the seat exactly. is actually vacant. Exactly. Because these cuckoo pants people um, who go back and say the last actual pope was Pius Twelfth, and then there's, the, there's another claque that go back and say the last actual pope was Pius Tenth. And then there's another clack that goes back and says, I mean, it just goes on and on until the last actual pope was Peter. And those people are called Protestants. So, I mean, there are these cuckoo pants clacks of people who have turned this into a political football. Set of a is not a political position. 
It is an objective reality. Either the Sea of Peter is occupied or it is not. Period. It has nothing to do with politics or or anything else. Either there's a living pope or there is not a living pope. Bergoglio is an anti-pope and Ratzinger is the one and only living pope right now, which I am morally certain that this is the case. If Ratzinger dies in his soup today, then yes, of course that means the sea will be vacant. Now, let's think through what that would look like and what the consequences of that would be. So Ratzinger has died um, and he has never been corrected, called out. The truth about what he has done has never been proclaimed. Presumably no one has ever gone to him, sat him down and said, look, you have done the most horrible thing in the history, in the 2000 year history of the papacy since, I mean, since Peter's betrayal of our Lord, no Pope has done anything that could, could even be compared to, to the shitstorm that you have created. And this is your fault and you are responsible for it. And you're still the Pope. And for the love of God, man, you have to repent of this or how, how in the world else do you expect to make it through your particular judgment? No one, no one's doing that, first of all. You, everyone says, oh, I, I pray for Pope Benedict Ratzinger. Really? Really? You, you pray for Pope Benedict, Pope Emeritus, Benedict XVI Ratzinger. You pray for him every day. Let me tell you what this man needs to do. He needs to repent of this. He needs to undo it and he needs to repent of it. Do you understand the gravity of this? Do you understand the gravity of the situation just just solely in regards to Ratzinger's eternal fate? Will he spend eternity in the beatific vision or will he spend eternity in hell? You say, oh, he's so sweet and he's so cute. He's the worst pope in history. He has done the most horrible thing in the history of the church. Um, we just had the feast of St. John Eudas um, a few days ago, and people keep taking the St. John Eudas quote that's so, so spectacular and trying to apply it to Bergoglio. And this is incorrect because this quote applies to Ratzinger, who is the worst pope ever. And let me read it to you. Quote, the most evident mark of God's anger and the most terrible castigation he can inflict upon the world is manifest when he permits his people to fall into the hands of a clergy who are more in name than in deed, priests who practice the cruelty of ravening wolves rather than the charity and affection of devoted shepherds. They abandon the things of God to devote themselves to the things of the world, and in their saintly calling of holiness, they spend their time in profane and worldly pursuits. When God permits such things, it is a very positive proof that he is thoroughly angry with his people and is visiting his most dreadful wrath upon them. St. John Eudas. Um, this, this applies to Ratzinger in terms of the papacy. Um, certainly the anti-Pope Bergoglio is a castigation, but if you want to talk, if you want to get your head around how it is that, that Peter, 
Peter himself um, could be could be a scourge upon the people of God. Um, you, you, the only way you can address that is in terms of Ratzinger, because Ratzinger is the Pope. And so, if you're thinking about these things in terms in terms of the papacy and and not going bonkers and losing your faith, apparently, like we're seeing other people out there in the Catholic blogosphere do, descend into what? Descend into narcissistic narcissistic quietism, like Ratzinger? Um, no, 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 no. This Saint John Eudes quote. Of of God just giving up His people to these horrific clergy. This is first and foremost talking right now about Ratzinger, the worst pope ever. Okay, so he he's dead in his soup. The see is then vacant. What will happen? Well, of course they're not going to call a conclave, are they? Because in order to call a conclave, you would have to depose and acknowledge Bergoglio as being the anti-pope. And as I have written about and spoken about very recently, they are terrified of him. Sources inside of the Vatican, very, very reliable sources coming, you know, out into the secular world and then coming to me with only one degree of separation. These people are operating in a state of perpetual fear inside the Vatican. They're terrified of Bergoglio. He is a he's a psychopath. He's a thug, and most of them, almost all of them, are completely blackmailable. And I think it's safe to say that all of them are wildly effeminate and are not willing to suffer, to lose position, to lose face, et cetera, et cetera. They are all taking the tack that the only thing that we can do is wait for Bergoglio to die. Well, you know, that's what they're going to do. Let's say Ratzinger dies tonight. They, they're not going to do anything. They're not going to call a conclave, even though the sea is vacant they're just not going to do it. So, um, so, so one solution would be that if, if they both, um, let's say are in heaven before the sun sets. Um, so that, that would clear up one problem, but I would imagine the Cardinals that have been named between, uh, Bergoglio and Ratzinger, yep, we're not going to yep. get any improvement. Absolutely. I'm, I'm glad you brought that up because that's the next item on the list. Although I have some more points, but we'll, we'll get back to all of these. We'll cover everything. Okay. Let's say, let's say there's an earthquake, right? So we just have this earthquake in Naples. Maybe that's a pre-shock and maybe there's a seven magnitude, um, closer to Rome and, um, Ratzinger is killed in, in the, the residence where he lives and Bergoglio is killed in the residence where he lives and they're both dead simultaneously. Okay, what does this mean? Okay, yes, now the see is vacant and there's no there's no anti-pope claimant to it. So they would call a conclave. However, here here's there's two big problems with that. First, what we were talking about before is that neither man would have ever been confronted um and you know had justice done upon him. Ratzinger needs to be publicly excoriated, corrected and begged to repent of this because it's really the only it, it seems to me it's the only hope that the man has the same exact thing goes for bergoglio do you okay you say you pray for bergoglio every day here here is my prayer for bergoglio every day may he be removed as anti-pope and his anti-papacy fully acknowledged as an anti-papacy and completely erased and delegitimized. Then may Bergoglio repent of what he has done, 
revert to Catholicism, die in a state of grace, and achieve the beatific vision. I don't really understand how it is that you can say with any degree of sincerity that you're praying for Bergoglio and you have genuine charity for the man, even though, you know, on a personal level, we would all find him odious. Um, but, you know, this sense of charity for another human being, caring whether or not Jorge Mario Bergoglio spends all of eternity in the beatific vision or spends all of eternity in, in, in incomprehensible, unceasing torment in hell. If you, if you genuinely care about him on that level, that, that is what, what I, that prayer intention that I just said, that's what has to happen. This man has to repent of this. He has to repent of this before he dies. How, how exactly do you think that's going to happen if his anti-papacy is not acknowledged for what it is, if he is not removed? And if people don't go to him and say, you were never the Pope, this, what you have done to the church is, is just a crime of incomprehensible magnitude, and you will burn in hell for all eternity for this if you do not repent. This is exactly the same argument that you make when you're talking about um, capital punishment. And I've written about this. Um, denying a man the justice that is due to him is, is a greater crime than oftentimes the crime that he has committed. And I just paraphrased Dr. John Sr. there in his, in his um, discourse on justice. It's, it's, just, it's ridiculous to think that these men are going to repent and, and come clean of all of this if there isn't an external application of justice and the truth isn't proclaimed. It, this all has to be rooted in the truth. So neither man corrected, neither man repentant. The, the, how are they going to make it through their particular judgment? The other thing is, is if, if you do not correct this situation and acknowledge the Bergoglian anti-papacy for what it is, and you continue to falsely acknowledge it as being a legitimate papacy, then, oh, it's just going to be the gift that keeps on giving. Until our Lord returns in glory, whenever that is, and that might be soon. But if it isn't, if it isn't, if this drags on and on and on and on and on, until our Lord returns in glory, these filthy heresies and lies, all of this stuff that Bergoglio has done and is doing and will do, this stuff is going to be used as a cudgel to beat the church until our Lord returns in glory. It is going to be used as scandal to drag as many human beings into hell as possible, poorly catechized Catholics, faithless Catholics, who all they care about is they want to hear a man dressed in white tell them that it's okay for them to fornicate and it's okay for them to commit adultery and it's okay for them to, to violate the sixth commandment. That, that's, that's all these people want to hear. That's all they care about. And if you do not, in truth and in justice, delegitimize and nullify this Bergolian anti-papacy, that, that dynamic will be in play for until our Lord returns in glory from the day that Bergoglio dies. So this, this business of sitting around and just saying, well, well, it, it'll be fine when Bergoglio dies, 
Um, we just need to wait for Bergoglio to die. No, no, because it just keeps going and going and going. If you're calling a man who is not the Pope, the Pope and recognizing his, his satanic heresies as some, as, as some part of the magisterium of the church, this is abject insanity. The only way forward is, is acknowledging the truth. And then finally, super nerd to the point that you just made, well, okay, they call a conclave. Look at this this band of sodomites and faithless, faithless heretics that that now comprise the College of Cardinals. I mean, the best of them, the best of them are wildly effeminate. Cardinal Burke, what are you waiting for? It, say something, man, for the love of God, say something. Get something down on the record saying that what this crap that Bergoglio is spewing is not Catholicism, it is lies from the pit of hell, it is arch heresy, and if you listen to this, and if you pay attention to this, and you use this as any sort of metric in your moral life, you will probably end up in hell. And for those people who would say that the selection of a pope is guided by the Holy Spirit, rewind back to the quote from St. John Eudes. Well, and that, but then, uh, false premise, false premise, because... That dynamic has nothing to do with Bergoglio, according to my, uh, according to my thesis. I, I think that that's a, a that's a tricky argument to make because our Lord did say that He would pray specifically for Peter. Now we have Ratzinger, and we can go into all kinds of details about Ratzinger's heresies. Um, I had a really good conversation the other day about how Ratzinger really seems to have fallen, and what he's using to justify. Um, this this terrible crime that he has committed against the church is in fact the heresy of quietism. And I was sitting and reading um, just just the New Advent Catholic Encyclopedia entry on the heresy of quietism, um, and it it just the the words that jump out um, passivity, passive, active, inactive, um, things like this. It's actually words that are coming out of these these speeches and statements that Ratzinger has made describing his own state of mind. It seems to me that what he's done is he's just a weak man, and he de- he has decided to enter into this heresy of quietism and say, oh, well, there's nothing more that I can do. I'm just going to put it in God's hands, and I'm not going to worry about anything either way. It, do- it doesn't matter what Bergoglio does, doesn't do. I'm just going to sit here and be completely passive and prove how spiritual I am um, by saying I just completely turn everything over to the will of God. And if you read the New Advent um, entry on the heresy of quietism, you see what, what, a, what a filthy heresy this is and, and what it leads to. Look at what Ratzinger's actions have led to in, in just over four years. Just over four years. Uh, and it's pretty it's pretty clear that that that's that's what's going on here. So, all right. And, and so no, are, uh, Ratzinger, <laughs> Ratzinger coming out uh, with, with with all the manifest signs of quietism does not automatically remove him from the papacy. So all no. you all you said of a contest yeah. leaning people who say, oh well, then then a uh, conclave would be fine. No, uh, go. No, Steve Skojak no, has written no. some some uh, put up some quotes from that complete the quotes of a lot of set of a contest who say that, yes, it, ipso facto, a pope would be removed from office, but he can't, that's not, that doesn't become formal until it's adjudicated, and he's formally corrected, and it's formally um, 
declared by, I don't, know if, I don't know if it was just the council or the College of Cardinals or if it had to be a church council. So just a pope uh, saying something heretical does not automatically take him out of the Sea of Peter. Uh, yeah, I mean, he's he's valid, but he's wildly illicit. Well, certainly, Paul VI was wildly illicit. John the Twenty Third was probably wildly illicit if the rumors about him being a Freemason were true, and and on and on and on, all of them wildly illicit. JP two, a phenomenologist, wildly illicit. They're still the Pope. They're still the Pope. That's that's not what that's not the point. And so. I think the point um, is kind of what you started alluding alluding to. You quoted um, uh, from scriptures that Jesus talking about praying for Peter. Yeah, what was he praying for? That his faith would not fail. I think we're seeing right. the failure of faith at the top right now. Certainly, certainly. Um, but there, Christ's promise about there always being a pope. Um, you can have these these men who are heretics. Rat, let's take Ratzinger, okay? We can all agree that Ratzinger at this point is a heretic. Ratzinger did not wake up in the morning saying to himself, I want to tear this thing to the ground. I want to destroy the church. I want to destroy the Catholic faith. I hate people. I hate people who believe what the church believes. I want to destroy people that believe what the church believes. And I want to destroy the culture that the church has built. That is what anti-Pope Bergoglio is doing. You know, just reportage over the last 48 hours or so that he's come out and he's saying that the rights of the Islamic invasion force into, into Europe trumps everything else. It trumps all laws. It trumps everything else. So you you have to you have to defer and permit the these this army of men who are coming into Europe, raping their way across Europe, who are going who if if left unchecked and if this draws out and there's no supernatural resolution to this, Europe, old Europe as we know it, will be destroyed by these people. They will destroy all of the artistic patrimony. They will destroy the culture. They will destroy absolutely everything. And Bergoglio has come out and said that that, that their ability to do that trumps all laws. It trumps everything else. I mean, this man has a murderous, murderous hatred of, as far as I can tell, humanity in total. I mean, he despises, he despises Christian culture. And ultimately, if you, if you want people to be under the jackboot of either totalitarian Islamic political systems or totalitarian Marxist political systems, that to me indicates a very clear hatred of humanity in total. I think, I think he hates absolutely everybody. He is a diabolical narcissist psychopath. Um, it would stand to reason. They are incapable of love. Um, anger, hatred, jealousy, fear. That's all they can do. And so, and imagine this man in this position, imagine how the demonic, imagine how he is descending even now into deeper and deeper and deeper depths of evil in his soul. Um, he, he's going to want the whole thing exterminated. It isn't going to be enough for him to just destroy the church. It seems to me that as a false prophet forerunner of the Antichrist, being as in league with Satan as that implies, 
that ultimately what he would be trying to do is to set up an extermination of the entire human race. Um, and we see this in the political, in the secular political left with the social justice warriors actively now openly talking about how white people should not be permitted to reproduce, um, that, you know, the feminist side says that all white men should be rounded up and killed, um, et cetera, et cetera. I mean, this is, it's really descending into auto genocide. And I think that Bergoglio being this, this locus of, of evil that he is, it's, it's just completely unreasonable to think that he's not also on board, that he hasn't descended into that level of evil where he just wants to see every human soul exterminated and, and presumably in hell with him where, where, um, he's, he's on, he's definitely on the track to, again, if nobody stands up and speaks the truth, how, how do you think Bergoglio is going to achieve the beatific vision? I mean, do you if think he doesn't he's going to change where he's heading? He's going to end up where he's headed. Yep, exactly. Um, so let's go to the next point. What happens if let's say, for example, Bergoglio, um, is diagnosed with a debilitating illness or disease. Let's say he's diagnosed with, I don't know, brain tumor um, or, you know, like JP2 Parkinson's, something like that. And, and he resigns. Okay. So he, he resigns, but he was never the Pope to start with, but they would call a conclave. And what would they do? They would elect another anti-Pope. And what you would probably end up with, as we were talking about just a few minutes ago, is you would end up with someone who was every bit as far to the left as Bergoglio, except the man would be probably about 20 years younger. And that's a terrifying thought. So you would now you would end up with another anti-pope, except much younger. Um, Bergoglio would still then be referred to as the pope, his magisterium, you know, quote unquote, would still be acknowledged as part of the magisterium of the church. Um, and if he resigns, let, let's say that he's uh, diagnosed with some sort of a condition that would cause his mind to degenerate. Again, you're working against the clock with this man. He needs to be made to repent of this and admit everything that he's done. That's, that's the standard that we're all, that we're all held to. Um, you, have to. you have to be sorry for your sins. And you can't just you can't just utter utter some some magic incantation, but not be sorry for for these sins that you have committed. Um, and so, if if Bergoglio is diagnosed with something that would cause him to lose his mind, let's say, then you're working against the clock there. It, it isn't you're working against the clock as to when his body dies. Now you're working against the clock as to when he would be able to be contrite and repent for what he had done. So that it, it just gets even worse from there. So I think we've covered all of the possibilities. They both die at the same time. Ratzinger dies first. Bergoglio resigns. Bergoglio dies first. I think that's every possible combination. And I think we've covered them all. So the conclusion to all of this is, once again, the only way forward. You, you know when our Lord said that the path is narrow? Um, this is what he's talking about. There's one truth, folks. You can't, you can't call partial truth good enough because then, you know, you might as well just go be a Baptist or a super fun rock band or, 
or just any anything else. What what does the church matter at that point if if you know there's if partial truth is good enough? No. The gate is narrow. There's one truth. You have to acknowledge and move forward acknowledging the one truth and applying justice there. So nullify the anti-papacy, identify and nullify the anti-papacy of Bergoglio. Both men would be called to repentance. I mean, ideally, this should happen this afternoon, right? They should they should eject Bergoglio, declare the whole thing an anti-papacy, nullify every magisterial act. Um, some people have a question about, you know, the the what what would you call it the day-to-day operations of the Vatican and so forth there is a concept called ecclesia supplet the the church supplies um the church can heal things at the root that would apply to some of the things that that Bergoglio has done over the over the course of the last four and a half years very legalistic things like signing laicization orders and, and things like that those would be healed from the root. What cannot be healed from the root is declaring a man to be the Pope who is not the Pope. Um, that that Ecclesia Suplet does not apply to the munis of the office of the papacy, period, full stop. So um, nullify the whole thing, get him out of there, remove him. Both men are called to repentance. And then you wait for Ratzinger to die, period. He's not trustworthy anymore. We know that he he will say and do things that are that are fundamentally dishonest. This whole resignation maneuver is at its core fundamentally dishonest. The reasons that he gave are dishonest. You know, I'm wearing white because there weren't any black cassocks in Rome. I had to resign because the jet lag going to World Youth Day in Brazil would have just been too much for me. I mean, you know, he's he's. Four and a half years after this, he looks like a 90-year-old man. He's aging the way a 90-year-old man should. He's still lucid. He's still He can still speak. Um, apparently, he's completely blind in one eye, and so his eyesight is going. Again, the man is 90 years old. This is completely typical. He's told lie after lie after lie. He can no longer be trusted. So what what does the church do in prudence what do grown up virile adults who are capable of thinking clearly what do they look at this situation and say we wait for ratzinger to die if he doesn't want if he doesn't want to administer the church okay you know we we can't force this man to do anything we're going to go to him every day and we're going to tell him to repent of what you've done but we can't force the man to administer the church so we'll set up basically what would amount to a regency um, day-to-day operations of the church would continue. We wait for Ratzinger to die. Then we call a conclave. Th- then at least, at least we're back on track. Somebody has done the right thing. Someone has stood up for the truth. Someone has done something to potent- to cut off this scandal, this enormous scandal of the satanic filth and arch heresy of, of Bergoglio. But no, of course, no one will do that. Um, wait for Ratzinger to die. Um, other things in my notes, I, I opened with this is, is partial truth now. Okay. Some, somebody let me know if partial truth is now. Okay. If the entire paradigm has changed just so that we can, just so that we can facilitate this lie of the Bergoglian anti-papacy, somebody let me know. 
send, send me that memo because I missed it. Maybe um, that's what he meant by solemn nonsense and converting non-Catholics. Yeah, because partial truth is okay. Exactly. I mean, and when when you start down that slippery slope, I mean, obviously, um, Bergoglio doesn't even believe uh, that one needs be uh, a Trinitarian, one not even need worship the triune Godhead. You know, he told Muslims that he he what it was fairly early on and he was speaking to a group of Musloid children, maybe in Egypt or something. And he said to them, what you need to do is be good Muslims. And of course, we've all been inundated with their with their abject bullshit that Allah is the same God as uh, the the God of the Old Testament. And of course, revealed to be the triune Godhead in in the new covenant in the new testament and people just keep repeating this crap okay so you know if you're if you're a musloid eh, well you know partial truth is good enough well how, mu- that, how much that, partial truth is enough right exactly atheists he said yeah atheists if they're people of goodwill people of goodwill and who do good works Sure, they can be saved too. And if you're not saved, well, you know, there's just there's soul annihilation. There's it's it's no big deal. Worst case scenario, you're just snuffed out of existence. I mean, that yeah. So partial truth, clearly, they do now believe that partial truth is okay. Um, apparently our Lord was wrong in the gospels when he said the gate is narrow. Apparently, there is no gate. Apparently, there's no road. There it's just everybody's in. Um and I've already covered this, but shouldn't we be praying for these men um, as a top priority to have repentance for what they've done? Not not just that the situation be fixed in and of itself. I mean, obviously we want that because they're scandalizing just countless numbers of people into hell every day. If you genuinely care about the person of Joseph Ratzinger, and if you genuinely care about the person of Jorge Mario Bergoglio, and all of the rest of these people. How can you argue that you shouldn't be praying for these men to repent of what they have done in the fullness of the truth? I, I, I don't understand this. You're, 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 the argument there, and it seems to me also, pardon me, but a lack of charity, a, a lack of genuine charity Oh, we're just going to we're just going to pretend nothing's wrong here so that I can continue to tell myself that um that that Bergoglio's the pope and 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 everything's fine and this is just going to work itself out. Popes come and go, la di da di da. Again, I I I cannot I cannot subscribe to this ever. I I will continue to fast uh, Matthew 17:20 initiative Tuesdays and Fridays and pray every single day for both of these men and and in the fullness of what it means to pray for them and that is that they repent of what they have done before they die and it's not I'm telling you it's not going to happen it's almost certainly not going to happen unless there is an external application of justice on both of them and I think that's the end that of gets my a, notes. That on gets this back topic. around to a topic we raised much earlier: is the lack of justice, and as opposed to mere legal systems, we have that problem in the church as well. And we've mentioned uh, several times throughout these episodes. One of the uh, it, it may come down to the triumph of the Immaculate Heart as being the solution to all of that, which is apropos of today's feast on the traditional calendar. It is the feast of the Immaculate Heart of Mary. 
Indeed, indeed. That's what we should be praying for. Um, and, and pray. That, I mean, she can do anything, obviously. She's the undoer of knots. I mean, what, what, a, what a beautiful image. What a, what a knot this is. She could undo this. She, she could not only undo the knot of this, this dumpster fire that is going on inside the Vatican, but she could undo the knot so totally and completely that both Ratzinger and Bergoglio repent um, in the in the case of in the case of Bergoglio revert to Catholicism, um, die in a state of grace and a die, die in a state of friendship with our Lord, and someday achieve the beatific vision. She can do that. How it seems to me there would almost be a, a lack of faith on the part of a person to not ask her to do that. Undo this knot all the way. Undo it completely. Don't just kind of undo it a little bit so that we can keep crippling on and just, you know, persisting in this state of quote unquote partial truth. No, mother, undo the entire knot. Get this whole thing fixed and even get it to where Ratzinger and Bergoglio both make it both repent and are able to eat, have a chance to make it through their particular judgment and in fact do and after presumed purgation achieve the beatific vision and will be in heaven with them i would love very 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 much very much someday to meet jorge mario bergoglio in heaven and and in complete and total charity be able to look him in the eye and be there with him in the beatific vision and share that with him. Um, I, I, I absolutely despise him as a human being right now as he is, but, um, boy, wouldn't, wouldn't that be something just, just sit and think about that. Wouldn't that be something if you could take this person that pretty much everyone listening to this agrees is just an odious, odious man. Um, and wouldn't it be something if if we could be together in the beatific vision someday? What a what a testament to God's mercy it would be. What a beautiful thing. It's not going to happen unless he is confronted and justice is done upon him. And as our lady has said on multiple occasions, a lot of sinners are lost because nobody prays for them, whether they right. are people we know or whether they wear white and live in Rome. So we definitely need to pray for them and as well as, as ourselves that we don't lose the faith along the way as well. Indeed. And, and we see it happening. We see people being scandalized and saying, oh, I can't deal with this anymore. I'm telling you, that's that's so wrong. Um, I, I posted a little blurb on on the blog last week. It was a beautiful, beautiful quote um, from Leo the Thirteenth, in which he said, the reason why these things happen and drag on is because our Lord in his kindness, in his kindness, gives us the time and the opportunity to enter into these things with him, enter into the suffering, freely choose to suffer with him. I think we talked about this in the last podcast, but that, yep. that's exactly right. We, uh, yeah, we linked to the, to that, that post on, on, uh, last, uh, on, on the, in the show notes of the last podcast. Yes. That's right. All right. Well, I think we have reviewed the logical corollaries of um, of deaths and or resi- and or resignations of the two men who wear white in Rome, one being the Pope and one being the anti-Pope. And so I hope that helps. I just I hope it helps people 
think their way through. And also there are people out there on the, on the internet um, talking about sedificantism who will throw that pejorative at you and say, well, you're a crazy train, cuckoo pants, sedificantist. Um, to me, that is just, that's even more confirmation because obviously I'm, I'm not a set of acantists. I mean, there's, <laughs> there's two, two, two of them in white, but that's the problem. That's the problem is that the sea wasn't vacant and the sea has not been vacant all this time. It's exactly the opposite of that. And so what that indicates to me is that when people start hurling those pejoratives and just trying, trying to paint you with that brush, um, it shows that, that they're not their argument is weak. They know their argument is weak. They know it doesn't make sense. And so all they can do is engage in these insulting ad hominem attacks, trying to paint you and trying to gaslight you into thinking that you're some kind of a nutter conspiracy theorist and you're not. I'm, I'm here to tell you folks that you're not. It's, it's not irrational in any way to look at this objective data set and come to this conclusion, not any more than it was irrational when, for example, um, John the Baptist sent his disciples to our Lord and our Lord said to them, well, tell, tell John what you see here. The blind see, the, the, the lame walk, et cetera, et cetera. Were those people crazy cuckoo pants if they thought, boy, I think this Jesus of Nazareth I think he might be the Messiah. I think he might be the son of God. Is that a crazy cuckoo pants conspiracy theory? Don't let people gaslight you. In fact, our Lord wants you to engage your intellect and wants you to, to you know, look and use your senses and faculties and come to these conclusions yourself. Because ultimately, all truth is 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 grounded and is rooted, grounded, and connected with with love and charity. The two, the truth and charity, go together hand in hand. And so, I mean, just don't, don't be discouraged when people are hurling these epithets at you. Um, it's just water off a duck's back. And if anything, you should be somewhat edified by it because it just shows that they're, they're not willing to engage. They're not willing to engage on a serious level. I think that's about a wrap for this week. Do you agree? I, I agree. I think so too. Okay. General reminder, for if, in case you haven't heard this before, uh, masses for Anne's benefactors are set on Mondays, Tuesdays, and Wednesdays. Remember to join your intentions with these masses. The email address for the podcast is podcast at barnhart.biz. You can send your questions, comment, feedback, and suggestions there. This podcast is produced by Super Nerd Media. If you found any value in this episode and would like to return some value, you can donate at that website. That is supernerdmedia.com. I want to specifically thank some recent donors, Carl, Richard, Ursula, Charles, Carly, Donna, Donald, uh, Hubert and Lenore, who made some monetary donations. And a special thank you to Michael S., who saw on the donation page that I was saving up for a portable recorder to do some on-site interviews. He emailed me and said he had a professional-grade recorder that was collecting dust, so he shipped that to me, which is awesome. Thank you very much. The donations are also being put to use for acquiring things like microphones, preamps, dynamics processors, website hosting, um, backup website hosting in case we have to uh, pivot quickly because uh, somebody calls web hosting provider and says, hey, you're hosting hate or some nonsense like that. The point right. is, thank you all very much for your generosity. Uh, and any parting thoughts for folks to think about this week? Uh, just thank you, as always, Super Nerd. And a reminder that I have, um, a continue to give donation button, which is still there. And um, I'm, I'm very grateful. Um, I've sold a couple of cattle marketing DVDs 
um, more than a couple. I think I've maybe there've been four orders in the last six weeks. So that's been great. That's been a great shot in the arm, but I'm still pretty much living entirely off of that, uh, continue to give button there. And it doesn't clear through PayPal. It clears through another clearing service. So for now that's safe. And, um, thank you all so much for your munificence continuing as always. Um, we're, Super Nerd and I are really enjoying this, and there's are, already been some indications that maybe there are some other people who are looking to um, get on board and set up their own sort of a um, web presence and so forth, and uh, have contacted us actually about the possibilities of doing that. So I think people are seeing that there's some value in this, and um, I think this project is just turning out beautifully and I can't thank you enough super nerd and your family for their patience and, and putting up with me monopolizing at least a little bit of your time every week. Um, it's, it's fun for me to do this and, uh, I, I try to schedule this in a way that least impacts the family. So, uh, yes, but there, there is, you know, definitely some time, uh, taken away from the family to do a little bit of research and preparation for the, for the shows. So, uh, I, I definitely, uh, have a, try to try to make a priority of paying them back and for that though. Ah, very good. All right. Well, let's call it a wrap for this week. And our next episode will be a financial Friday. And we're going to keep talking about, we're going to go into more detail about, um, cryptocurrencies. Yes. Uh, we didn't completely finish off, finish off the discussion on cryptocurrencies. Um, I don't know if I'm going to be ready for it on this Friday per se, but okay. I, I know, I know that we can definitely come up with plenty of topics. Very good. All right. Well, we'll look forward to seeing everybody again on Friday. Okay. Until then, I am Super Nerd. And I'm Ann. God bless, guys. Thanks a lot. <laughs>